0: It's host number two of the Bitcoin podcast, D. Uh, first host of On Ramp With D, of course, back with another episode of On Ramp With D. And if this is your first time listening, um, I'm sorry. You should have listened to the other shows, or have you been? But if it's not, I mean, well, if it's not, thank you for listening again. If it is, let me tell you why I did the show. So one day I was thinking, hey, what would it be like for someone who either just gets into cryptocurrency or Bitcoin or has no idea what it is and doesn't really care? What is their psyche? Like, what are they thinking about? What are the questions that they need to have answered? And and what would it be like to talk with that person? Because, you know, we can't just get stuck in the echo chamber of people that are way into crypto. So I wanted to branch out. And so now you're listening to On Ramp It With D. This is that branch out. So today we are talking with Katie and I'm going to turn it over to Katie to introduce herself.
1: Hey Dee, thank you for having me. My name is Katie McCaskey. I'm a writer. Uh, I live in the Washington DC area and I was really excited to find your podcast Dee because uh, I think there's so much opportunity for people to Um, Learn about cryptocurrency, but it seems so intimidating initially Um, I know as a person who comes from a humanities background that for a long time Even though I was aware of blockchain technologies and Bitcoin specifically It didn't really click with me as far as how exciting these new changes are going to be That blockchain enables so I think it's wonderful what you're doing bringing new people into the fold and and really explaining something that is very complicated in a way that ordinary people can understand and get excited about,
0: I try, I try. <laughs> well so you said something interesting, you were like intimidating like um, you, you felt intimidated
1: well, I think um, anyone can be easily intimidated once um, they try to start getting into the the details of how blockchain works, which is reaction when something's new and unfamiliar, especially, like I said, if you don't have a computer science background or mathematics background or something to that effect. Um, I think, uh, at least speaking for my own uh, humanities people out there, um, the idea that that could have relevance to your life um, is not immediately obvious. And so I think it takes good communicators to explain how this technology can really um, be very beneficial, but also very world changing at the same time.
0: So you're not like, you're not entirely new to crypto, right? You said we did mention a little bit before the show that you've been to some meetups.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the brief backstory with me is that my sister, my younger sister got me into cryptocurrency in 2011. She gave me a small amount of Bitcoin at the time. And, um, she was invested in that, uh, early on. And she was like, you know, this is really cool. You, I think you'd be interested in learning more about it, you know, check it out. And so I maybe gave it a cursory look, and I thought, okay, well, that's interesting, but like, um, like you were saying earlier, uh, kind of monopoly money. Um, so I just kind of, I, I was aware of the technology, but I wasn't particularly excited about it. I just thought, oh, that's interesting, you know, move along. But it's only been in of maybe the last year, and partly because of the price surge of Bitcoin, um, made me take a second look. Like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And so then, when I started really digging in in the last eight or nine months and trying to educate myself and learn about it, um, it was no longer a question of like, how does this work? Because I can understand it conceptually, but not, you know, I'm never going to understand it in a programming perspective, but I can absolutely understand it and get really excited, again, by the social implications of it.
0: What What are some of those social implications? Because that that's what I'm curious about. It's like, is one, I'm not a computer programmer by trade or by heart. In fact, when I see code, it's like, I might as well be looking at, you know, whenever you're watching like a sci-fi movie and you see the alien looking at their alien computer screen.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And that's what it's like for me. I'm like, oh, wow, that's JavaScript. Okay, I'll let them
1: do that.
0: (laughs) I'll let them do that. So I want to know, like, what are some of those social implications that you've been, like, attracted to? And why you see Bitcoin having more more and more value the more and more you learn?
1: Well, um, gosh, that's such a big question to unpack. But let me just briefly try to give it some justice. So one thing that really excites me, just in general, is this distributed ledger technology and how that could dramatically reduce cost, um, of course, in the banking sector or you know record keeping sector. But I think um, being able to access funds and um, exchange funds across borders is quite exciting. I think uh, the idea of automated businesses or um, the ability to track um, intellectual and creative pro- uh, properties along the blockchain is super exciting. Uh, again, I, I'm a writer, so you know, being able to say get paid a little bit based on views that are, you know, actually um, provable is quite interesting to me um as as, just as you know musicians that i know if they were able to get paid for every time the song is played or somehow other creative works getting remunerated but i think socially what's really cool is um thinking about how this could change the nature of of work and society and like um again just the the sheer force of automation that comes with that uh which would be potentially awesome for dropping prices and a lot of cool things, but like, what happens to the people? On the flip side of that, I went up to a meetup here in DC a couple weeks ago. It was for blockchain for the social good. And one of the projects that was highlighted was um, a way to distribute funds to rural farmers who were quite uh, destitute and who had been taken advantage of in the system of middlemen. And so now, um, there's a way to both distribute funds to these farmers and then they can distribute funds back and and uh, just how empowering that could be. so I mean it's just it's just really exciting to see all of these different ideas. Um, for example, I saw a news item just yesterday talking about the state of Illinois talking about putting uh, birth certificates on the blockchain. And of course, this week, the news of Paris Hilton uh, being involved with an ICO, I thought, ah, okay, here's like a pop culture moment that's happening around this technology. So I think it's going to quickly speed up, and um, I think more and more people are going to question, like, what is this, and how does it impact me, and how can I um, benefit from it? So it's just an exciting time.
0: It sure is. Do you own any Bitcoin?
1: I do. Yeah. So um, I had that original gift that my sister gave me and it was just a small, like, you know, little thing. But now to see it growing, (laughs) it's like, whoa, look at that.
0: That's always the fun part when you look.
1: Yeah. And so then after that, I, I have invested in Ethereum and Litecoin and I've participated just very, very small amounts of ICOs. And that's a whole other topic I think worth exploring. The initial coin offerings, um, a lot of those startups are only available to um, accredited investors here in the U.S., which I think is a really a shame because obviously not everyone's got um, the resources to be an accredited investor, and so I think we're going to be missing out on the potentially huge returns of some of these businesses. And yeah, a lot of businesses fail, and especially in a new technology. I wish that there were more. uh, It was more open to more people. So, um, for example, so I I sent a little bit of money to an ICO just because I wanted to see how it worked, and then I didn't read the fine print. It was like you can't contribute if you're an American citizen because of this um, barrier, and then I thought, well, are they really going to chase after me with? such a small amount invested. I don't know. probably I should not be talking about it on a podcast but uh, <laughs> but I thought it was just uh, an interesting barrier because of course my hope is that this company that's based in the UTK actually does do something cool and, and uh, grow. So I guess I'll worry about that if it does. <laughs> otherwise it's you know not a huge investment uh, by any means. so I thought yeah, it was you- kind of a useful exercise.
0: The whole ICO hype is definitely definitely shows the power of when, once a technology's found a use case, mm-hmm. then that use case just kind of spreads like wildfire. But unfortunately, yeah. you know, I, I I think you're right. There's a lot of ICOs that I've tried to take part in that I was just financially bodied out of it. You mm-hmm. know, like it starts and it's over in a half an hour and if you can't spend, you know, giant pile of money on the gasoline charges to get, on the gas charges to get your uh, purchase through, then you just miss out. So.
1: Yeah, and unfortunately I think, um, one of the great promises I think of this technology is really leveling the playing field, which is really super cool. But right now, at least with the ICOs, I think it's really playing by the old playbook. Um, One recent example is the ICO um, with Filecoin, which I think is such a cool idea and such a neat project There was actually a really damning uh, article on Medium about it saying, hey, this is still the whole good old boys network where, you know, the main investors opened it up to like their circle of friends first. (laughs) And so anyway, it was just like, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. that's too bad. But It's uh, also
0: one of those things, though, is like, how do you level the playing field when (laughs) such a large percentage of the populace doesn't even know there's a field to play on? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah well said you know, uh, it's,
0: it's like a what do you what do you do' <laughs> it's yeah. A, yeah, hopefully no, my show gets super popular, and everybody knows there's a field to play on.
1: I but, hope so too I have so, to i I am really excited that everyday people can use this, and right now, yeah it's still um it's not as fringe as it once was, but it's still of course not common
0: definitely it's just fringe enough twos to spark a pretty good movement. That's why I like it. And so what about from like a technical side, like is there anything about like the technicals of Bitcoin that you still trying to like wrap your head around, don't quite understand, kind of understand, a little fuzzy?
1: Well, one thing thing, of course that I'm really hoping for is something that makes it a little prettier for lack of a better word. I mean, you're just looking at this long string of code as far as like what you, quote, own. So it would be nice if there was a way to just make that interface n- nicer. But um, one thing that's confused me a little bit as a new person investing is the wallets. So uh, for example, um, being given a, a seed phrase of just you know, random words that you know, you have to hold on to with great care, because if you lose that, then you lose access to the wallet. Um, the other thing that, I, as a beginner, that I'm, uh, I found kind of intimidating was um, there was a moment, I, I think I mentioned, well, I just mentioned the whole ICO, so I had sent a very small amount, just like $5 worth, which is why I'm saying that I'm not too worried that the government's going to come after me, but the $5 um, I sent to this ICO, they said, great, here are the tokens that you've purchased, so give us an address where we can send them. So I was I was just using Coinbase, um, so I was just about to give them my Coinbase public address. And then Coinbase had this very large warning saying, hey, don't send any other tokens or anything else to this address or it will just totally blow it up. And I thought, okay, great. I'm glad I, I saw that warning because I would hate to, you know, try to import this one little thing and then upset the Apple cart. So I guess for me personally, even though I don't have a, a great amount invested, it's still intimidating to think, oh gosh, if I lose this passphrase or if I inadvertently transfer something in that shouldn't be there? Or you know what if my two-factor authentication doesn't work and somebody like breaks in? like those are kind of my anxieties which I suspect are probably common with other people who are new to this.
0: How did you handle any of that? I took the extreme route, which tends to be um, earlier when Bitcoin first started, there was this huge movement of like, be your own bank. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before.
1: I have, but not in the context of Bitcoin. So,
0: Okay, so like with Bitcoin, the whole thing about being your own bank is that since I have total control over the funds, if I have the private key... Mm -hmm. then I need to make sure that I know at all times where that private key is so I can have access to it. And so if you do have your private key, then in a sense, you can be your own bank and you can move Bitcoin around however you see fit. You can Mm -hmm. actually push it out. So the way Bitcoin works differently than our current system is that Bitcoin's a push system as opposed to a pull system. Right, so like if you go to uh, you go down the street to best Chinese restaurant because every city has a best China. I don't know. I'm just guessing. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And you you sign your you give them your credit card information. You're actually giving them the private key in hopes that they pull out the amount that they say they're going to pull out. Right. So we you know we built these systems to help support that transaction, like banks. Help make sure they said they were they, are, they pulled out the amount they said they were going to and so on and so forth. You know, all these systems that we built up to help with that. But with Bitcoin it's different. Someone actually requests the amount of money that they want for their product, for their service, whatever it is, and you push it to them by signing this transaction with your private by, by by pushing it out with your private key. You can't, you can't push a transaction out unless it has the private key. Right. Yeah. So once I understood that, it's like, oh, okay. So like banks just have everyone's private keys and that's how they're making sure money gets to where money's supposed to go.
1: Yeah. Well then does that lock it to your like whatever device? Cause here's my other thought. And maybe you can uh, illuminate this for me. If I have my Bitcoin on my MacBook air that I'm looking at right now, um, this is an old MacBook air. So if I, were to put my bitcoin on this laptop and then you know set this laptop aside for 10 years and then i come back to it and i'm like great i still have my key whatever I, I guess i would just be afraid that if i had it stored on my side that somehow i would mess it up like i'm like for at least me personally i'm happier that it's stored on other external wallets because i'm afraid mm-hmm. that i would like Overwrite my drive, or I wouldn't be able to access it, or I would do something to f it up. Absolutely,
0: <laughs> so. and that's kind of the tough dance that we're trying to play. Getting new people into the into the space is that it's reintroducing a level of responsibility that has been kind of pushed to a service for so mm-hmm. long,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's kind of it's a behavior difference in like having to manage something that is that important because if you leave your private key laying around it's essentially like laying your wallet around with a bunch of money in it of course yeah, somebody's right. gonna take it right like, it doesn't matter who they are. i think it would be like maybe one in 25 people would say hey look that's a wallet with a bunch of hundred dollar bills in it i'm gonna <laughs> return it to the
1: rightful owner <laughs> i'm gonna
0: return it to the rightful owner like even if best case scenario they'd be I would probably be like, okay, there's like $20, $100 bills in there. I'm just going to take this one as a little finder's fee, have some <laughs> beers with my bros, and then push the 19 to the yeah. rightful owner, hopefully. Like, that's a best-case scenario. But mm-hmm. there are different wallet services. So there's Jax, there's this new one called Exodus. Uh, there's different wallet services. That, and, and what that key is, that seed key, is it's helping generate the randomness that is your private key. So a private key is just a random 256-bit number. The 256-bit—that's the comp side part—but it's just a random number. Yeah. Like, and that—that that, using the encryption, the, the the mathematical technique of hiding things in plain sight, you take this random stuff and you throw it into uh, an encrypted, you know, whatever. Encryption mechanism you want, and it's gonna spit out this random number that's your private key. Yeah. So like the more random that seed is, or the more random of things you do before you introduce it into this thing to generate this random number, uh, the better. Right. First, from a security standpoint. And yeah. Of, oh. Those twelve seeds, actually, those twelve words that that seed. You're, they call it a seed because it's kind of like, it's the seed to your private key. It's it's used to create your private key. If you have those, then now you can access your private key from all over the place. From your phone, from your... So I have one wallet called a Jack's wallet where it's on my laptop, it's on my desktop, it's on my phone, it's on... Well, really, that's just it. But
1: Yeah, that's good coverage, though.
0: Yeah, like I can access it anywhere I need it and I can access it on the go because it's on my phone. There's other wallets that generate the private key like in the phone. So I have a wallet called an AirBits wallet where the private key was generated inside of the phone. So if I lose the restore key, it's it's gone. Like if I lose my phone, it's gone.
1: Yeah, you see that's that, that to me is scary. And I think to your earlier point, like we're, to use a, maybe there's a better phrase for this, but we're such a throwaway culture that I don't know, just trusting it to like one device that that's beyond my comfort level and I'm I'm pretty risk tolerant.
0: Yeah. And so with Airbus, it has a restore it has a restoration like ability. Same thing. There's like a, a phrase, I believe. Um, and you plug that in, and you can sweep the private key right back into your new phone that you get. But that's that's kind of the I I think that's one of the thing that separates someone who's going to adopt crypto from someone who isn't is going through that intense level of, of just being conscious of the fact that this random string of numbers controls all this money. Yeah. And if you don't see that as valuable, then you maybe don't value your money. You should think about how you value.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. That's a whole other like psychological discussion.
0: You know, that's, that, to me, is what separates... It's, it's funny. I was having a conversation with an old friend, and you know he listened to me, because whenever I got obsessed with crypto, of course, you tell the world, mm-hmm. and he was one of the few people on Facebook that was like, oh, man, that seems pretty cool. I'm going to buy a bunch of it, and I was like, are you sure? Because I don't know. So, he bought a bunch.
1: <laughs> oh, definitely now, a bunch, Right? <laughs> yeah, and
0: it's, it's worked out for him, and I'm <laughs> glad that it has, because the more he learns, the more he wants to adopt it. And he asked me all these these questions about, you know, the, the addresses and the private key and the public key and what's the difference. And now the other day he was like, man, this stuff is really difficult. <laughs> and I was like, well, now you're an advanced user. And he's like, damn, when did I become an advanced user? <laughs> and I was like, once you started storing your own private keys, like now you're an advanced user. So.
1: yeah. Well, what I've done, too, is, I, like you, I've, I've used different wallets, in part because I want to protect. I mean, like, like this little experiment contributing to an ICO. I was like, well, I'm not going to mess up my, my primary wallet. I'll create a new one just for this project. So um, that might not be sustainable behavior if I were to get into a lot of back and forth. But right now, like it, it serves my comfort level.
0: Can we talk about that just for just how awesome that is for for just a second that you were able to create what essentially, I guess, the closest thing we can relate it to is an account. Yeah. With you didn't have to walk into a building and apply. You didn't have to go on the Internet and apply to a bank or E-Trade or whatever. You just created a wallet. You just said, okay, I want access to this thing and now I have it. And that kind of is along the same vein of what the internet was able to create and what I think this whole ecosystem of cryptocurrency is going to create for value.
1: Yeah. If they can
0: get the ICO thing right and Mm -hmm. your average Joe can participate, then that's instantaneous access to an ecosystem that previously was really hard to get into.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: but that's just me getting getting all lofty about things.
1: No, I think you're right to point that out. I mean, um, when we were talking earlier I mentioned that part of the reason I got into this is that my brother in law is from Argentina. And so, um which is actually how I think kind of it got on my sister's radar, because Argentina has like had these, you know, really volatile swings in their currency. And so uh for a long time they've they've used the U.S. dollar is like the reserve, but of course, transferring money back and forth between family members and um, that process being really difficult and costly. Um, just even you know, trying to send money between the traditional banks of both countries is time-consuming, and you're charged at both ends uh, of the transaction. Both parties are there's all kinds of layers and, and fees, which. Um, you know, affects many more people than just my brother-in-law and his family, of course. You know, there are people all over in a global economy where you're working in a different country or living in a different country from where you work. And, you know, uh, I think the transfer of funds and lowering those costs for people is going to be huge. Um, You know, (laughs) bye-bye Western Union and, like, the trek to get there to pay 20% of whatever (laughs) you just made to send it somewhere, you know? So I think that's going to be really empowering. And I think that's really exciting. Um, And then the other thing I'm, I'm pretty excited about is just um, kind of Ethereum and this idea of smart contracts and how we create, we could create businesses that again, more people could be participating in. It could be a participatory, uh, Interaction. For example, you know, Facebook, everybody on the planet is on Facebook, but there are just a few people who are actually financially benefiting from all of that user generated content. Wouldn't it be great, you know, to have businesses like that where all of the contributors could get a small amount for their participation? I think that's. Just a really kind of exciting and I think more equitable world view, ultimately.
0: And that's exciting.
1: Right.
0: I think you're right. I think that we're just kind of scratching the surface on what these things are going to allow, what the use cases will be. I mean, it's it's hard to – I know one thing. The person in 1980 that was like, yeah, man, you got to get on this internet, this, uh, this email yeah. thing. Yeah. Emails. It's gonna lead to everything. And then the person in the eight in nineteen eighty five that was like, I'm probably gonna be doing my banking online one day. Or
1: I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna be lock you up, know. right? <laughs> yep.
0: And then the person in two thousand that was like, I'm going to run my house from my cell phone one day.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: you know, they all probably seemed a little bit crazy, but I mean that's
1: but that's the fun of trying to look around the corner, you know, is. as you will.
0: It is and so if i could put your heart at rest at all when it comes to wallets and think about it like this think about key management so a wallet we call it a wallet cuz we suck at making analogies in the bitcoin community just like we suck at naming things
1: <laughs> and
0: it's not as it's not as much as a wallet as it is a key ring you have your you have your private key
1: I like that you have yeah. your private
0: key which is like the key ring right all the keys go on it all the public keys are generated from it. Public key is what you use when someone wants to like send you money, right? So you give them this. Hopefully, if you're using a HD wallet, which is which means hierarchical deterministic wallet, but in a nutshell, it means every single transaction has a different public key associated with it. It's much more secure.
1: Oh, cool. Okay.
0: Right. So you give them this one-time key that they can only think about. Have you ever seen the mailboxes in communities where the mailman can only put stuff in, or like there's a lock to take stuff out? He can only put stuff in.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, that's pretty much all mailboxes, but.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> that's well like, yeah. What are I, I
0: <laughs> But that's that's essentially like kind of like what a public key is. It's like here's a key to put stuff into my into my private into my into my money. Like, you can only put money in there. You can't take anything out, right? I have this master key that opens the door, and I could take mail out the other side, but you don't get that. Mm -hmm. You just get this public key. It's a one-time. Here, put the money there. Boom. Yeah. You have this key. You can put money in. And so, think of it as a key ring. And if you don't know where that master key is that's locking all these keys together, then, like... I mean, it's just like anything, like if, you, if you've if you ever had any sort of job where you had to be responsible for a set of keys and you lose the keys, well, sometimes you probably use the jo- lose the job because it's like, oh, you're not very responsible. Like,
1: right, right. <laughs>
0: so <laughs> just make sure that you, it's just a new, it's just a new layer of this stuff is of existing. It really is. Just, you've got to be responsible for where your private keys are and know where they yeah. are at all times.
1: Well, this this also reminds me that another thing that I'm really excited about too is uh, the transparency. Because even though I don't know, like you are connect you personally are connected with this key, the idea that I can see the movement of money um, and the transparency that comes from that is super exciting. Um, as far as just opening up uh, things that currently are pretty opaque. Um, I Definitely. think that that's a pretty cool feature too. Almost like a decoder ring where you're like, okay, I don't, I don't know necessarily who's behind this particular address, but I at least can watch this address and see how things go in and out of it.
0: Definitely. it's It should be an accountant's dream. Like all of these things should cool. be like these people's dream is that it's like a long-running receipt of all transactions that have taken place. So if you want to prove you made the transaction. You're like, okay, well, here's the transaction ID, and here's the public I key. Public key I used. Here's the amount. Mm-hmm. Look at the blockchain. Okay, it all checks out. Obviously, that's you that made that transaction.
1: Yeah, so, like, can you imagine owning um, stock and literally on a daily basis, you could go in and say, oh, this company that I'm that I own a stock share of. I can literally go in and see how the money is flowing into and out of it. um, And does that gel with how I want things to go in and out of it? Like that could be pretty cool to have like real time, uh, bird's eye view of how money is being handled.
0: It, it definitely, I think it is cool. I think that, I think there's systems like that that are just around the corner. In yeah. Ethereum, they're trying. Um, the DAO was supposed to be like that first use case. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that didn't go out too well. Uh, that, didn't, that didn't work out too well. I don't know if you heard no. of the DAO, but it yeah. was a... The DAO was the first... Sorry, DAO means Distributed Autonomous Organization. Yeah. So like you were talking about, like a business that runs itself. and It makes its own decisions. Um, it, it started out like a great idea, but someone went into the back end and they basically found a hack and they were Mm -hmm. able to like generate all of the coin to go to them. So all (laughs) of this ether that was supposed to be locked up in a smart contract for just them actually got bled out into one guy's account.
1: Yeah, actually, if I can interrupt you, I read a great, um, a great article about that story. And I thought it was so great because the writer was like, Hey, this is like Ripley and aliens where they have this escape shoot. And then they're like, Oh my God, the aliens in, in the escape pod crap. You know, like, how do you, um, <laughs> that was a, a good analogy. I wish I could remember where I read that. Cause, uh, yeah. that was a really good account of the Dow and just the problems with trying to fix it
0: yeah and and what i really really like the beauty of the the ethereum network and the just the ether community in general is that they've taken this idea of like incentivizing participation Mm -hmm. and kind of run with it that's that's why i really like ethereum and if it can pull off what it's attempting to with these decentralized applications like the thought of oh my contribution to this community, my contribution to this company or whatever, this this entity that has its own token is actually, it incentivizes me to contribute because this token can be valuable. Yeah. And the better this thing is, the more valuable this token is. Now I've created this, like, self-fulfilling prophecy of value just in this entity. You know, so it's um, it's really... You know, patting it back on to like open source development
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and, you know, communal development over a project. I think Ether kind of has that on lock. Now, if it can pull it off, yay. If it can't, I don't know. Maybe it'll take some more time to grow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we're, I think, just in just the earliest, earliest days. So it remains to be seen. But it's got such wonderful potential and certainly captures the imagination of use cases. But I think um, one of the things that I'm excited about your podcast too, again, broadening the audience that hears about this and and empowering people to feel like they can participate is really cool because to your point about community activity, you know, Bitcoin is not going to increase in value if people don't use it. (laughs) And so you have to get more... Using it and people aren't going to use it until they feel comfortable and familiar with these terms and just the basics of how you get started and how do I how do I actually buy something using Bitcoin I mean um, I'd love to hear like how you use or purchase things with Bitcoin I can share that um, one way that I spend Bitcoin because I feel like in order to hold it like I should also be spending a little bit of it just to keep it as a viable thing is I have this browser called Brave, which um, knocks off a lot of the ads and tracking software, which I really like. But you can go in the the settings there, and you can actually um, contribute a small amount of Bitcoin to the news uh, sites that you that you read regularly. Um, so I think that's a cool way to, I don't know, utilize Bitcoin and help grow that pool of, of you know, sites
0: that use it and accept it. Yeah. Um One, kudos for being the very first person, like, that I've ever heard say, like, I use Brave, the Brave browser. I have okay. it on my phone. But it's just, like, I'm just such a, comf- like, a creature of comfort. And I crawl back to, like, Google Chrome.
1: Yeah. <laughs> whenever I need
0: that, just that good feeling. But, mm-hmm. um yeah, the Brave browser is a great example of a use case, and they've actually released some numbers. Um, I'm sure you can find it on their website. So if you guys are listening, uh, just look like at Brave software. Um, but I think they're working with CoinDesk, Coindesk on this. Uh, the closest is that like they've actually proven like, hey, people are willing to pay if you take ads out of their face.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Like they're they're okay with that. And so I think that's one, another UK, use case. And they're trying to snowball on that with the basic attention token that they built. I don't know if you're familiar.
1: No, I'm not familiar with that.
0: Basic attention token. You know what, let me do research on things before I start just promoting them on my podcast. But it's like Brave's token, and it kind of like tokenizes attention on the internet. It's a very phenomenal project. I, have, I recommend looking it up. Same okay. team that made Brave made the basic attention token called bat
1: yeah, yeah um, there's cool startups like just interesting ideas I, I think that's one thing that's really attractive to me just how people are thinking about using all of this
0: yeah i mean it it's definitely like this like sea of possibility and that's another thing that that makes it exciting to me so from a i guess from a Let's see. What about, I always get this question a lot. And I don't know, have you wondered why Bitcoin has value at all? Like, I know that's one of the main questions I'm asked. Is like, why is it so valuable? Why do people care?
1: Um, actually, no one's really asked me that. I think because I'm hanging out with people who are so enthused about it. <laughs> it, hasn't, it hasn't come up with like a pushback.
0: Probably not, they're just having parties every time the price goes up a hundred dollars,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: um let's see that one's a tough question to answer. I usually have to get like really philosophical with it, um and ask back like why does anything have value, like why do dollars have value
1: yeah yeah i I guess that would be my short answer too. It's like well we don't, we only mutually agree that a dollar is worth a dollar, so that same logic could be applied to anything. I mean,
0: that's usually where I go with it, but yeah, yeah, you passed, you passed that point. You've already been hanging out with crypto. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I've been, uh, over to the other side, I guess.
0: (laughs) So if I could answer your question, what do I spend it on? Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, this is going to be putting me out there, but I actually spend a little bit of Bitcoin on, uh, magic cards because I play magic, the gathering with my best friend from college.
1: Okay. And
0: uh, that's like real specific, but that's the one thing that I do spend my Bitcoin on. Well, I didn't even know, I'm not,
1: I mean, I only know of the games. I, I don't know that game, but. Oh, it's funny. just like a,
0: it's a and, card game that I got into in college, which is weird because you usually get into it like when you're a kid, but you know, college is college. And then um, what else do I spend it on? There was like, this was the dumbest thing I probably did, but. For a while last year, I was paying my my uh, cell phone bill with Bitcoin.
1: Oh no way! Just
0: to prove a point, I uh-huh. was just like, "Ha! Like Bitcoin is so useless." And I was telling my family, so "I was like, Bitcoin's so useless. Like, why can not I pay my cell phone bill with it?" Now I wish I had done that because, given <laughs> the appreciation, those were like several thousand dollar. No, like it's double. So that's like, four hundred yeah. or five hundred dollar phone bill. <laughs> <laughs>
1: was, well you have an ecosystem, think. so that's good.
0: Yeah, I was just sticking it sticking it to the man I don't know. But I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna Can I ask how
1: them. you did that, just out of curiosity?
0: Oh, I just did it with uh, my shift card through Coinbase. I don't know if you're familiar.
1: No, is that like a debit card? I mean is oh, yeah. it kind of it's like a, that?
0: It's a debit card that's tied to the Bitcoin that's in the Bitcoin that's in your um main Bitcoin account. I like to think of it as kind of like your checking account through Coinbase. So on Coinbase, they have the vault option, which I say is kind of like a savings account. And then they have your regular wallet, which is what you'd spend money out of frequently. So I just like always made sure that there was enough Bitcoin in there to cover my phone bill. And then I took that shift card, which it's like I'm promoing everybody on this show, ShiftPayments.com slash card if you have a coinbase account you can get a shift card
1: okay. um,
0: it doesn't work in random states i'm not gonna remember what those random states are but it won't work and it'll let you know if it won't work if you live in one of those ran i think like it's like hawaii and like rhode island always finds its way on that list somehow i don't know but <laughs> um yeah shift payments shift payments.com slash card and you get a little debit card links to your Coinbase account, and I just basically put in that card's information to uh, my carrier, and it would every month come out automatically. So,
1: cool. Um, well, I have another question for you. Just um, so all of these new coins that are coming out, you know, like there are like nine hundred of them or whatever, um, and growing. But what are your thoughts on like, I don't know. Here's here's my specific use case or my specific coin that I thought was interesting it was the pot coin, um, which is marketed towards uh, the legalized marijuana um, trade, but the idea being that you can use this coin anywhere. When I first read about it, I was like, oh, my God, that seems like such a good solution for an industry that is not, you know, banks are not too friendly to. But then I've seen other people say, oh, like that's an example. Uh, not necessarily that one specifically, but then there are all these like, kind of coins that are more marketing and more just spin, do you have any, like, personal, I don't know, vetting process as far as, like, which coins that you're tracking and following? Um, like, Potcoin, for example, I don't think it's even in the top 100. Maybe it's in the top 100. But I personally, I would think that anything out of, like, the top 20 is probably just not going to go anywhere. But then again, those are exactly the opportunities where everyone else is ignoring it. Maybe those are the, the next big thing.
0: Mm. Well, personally, I was going through like my ties to this community and looking at the team behind the token and okay. then reading the white paper. And well, any parts awesome. of the white paper, that's I would add. <laughs> <huh? laughs>
1: that's probably better than my emotional, like, oh, that's a cool idea.
0: <laughs> I would use those those three, and I would kind of tap into my like social resources. I call it, I don't know what I'm using a term for. It. Friends mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, super smart friends, look at this white paper for me real quick. Do you think that math checks out?" Or like, "Hey, look at this specific statement in this white paper. It looks weird." I just kind of like pull people and mm-hmm. um that's it like that's how i decide (laughs) which tokens to get into i know when i see something that's like banana coin i'm like okay that's instantly a no Uh, but
1: only good on bananas
0: (laughs) yeah totally good on bananas i don't think they need a token system
1: right
0: they spoil in like three days anyway so (laughs) you know but anyway um,
1: if if everyone agrees like banana coin's a thing and it starts to grow in value and people use it to buy all kinds of things and you know who's to say so it's just thank you for your thoughts on that because I I, again I'm just amused kind of looking at these different coins and just learning about them and you know thinking about them
0: so I will do one last plug I I plug a lot of these things I just wanted to spread I just found this website today actually called ICOrating.com Um, first, first it started from the idea that I had, I was like, why is no one creating a consumer's digest for ICOs? That seems like an obvious thing. Yeah. And then it's actually like, I've thought about the idea with other people for many times. So then I looked into it and I found this website called ICO rating.com slash, and then they have a rating system, a risk score, a hype score, investment potential, um their risk scores based on the team, the white paper m v p uh sorry minimum viable product, legal escrow, who their partners are, who they're consulting with, their hype scores based on the number of users on their projects, the number of media mentions, the number of mentions in mainstream technology publications uh like they really went into depth with their rating
1: that's great
0: and this is the first plug they'll probably ever get on a pop <laughs> random podcast. Um, I'm trying to get them on our main show, but ICO Um, it is in beta right now, but it's a very slick website. They give you know a low, medium, high on all of these different uh, aspects, they have them categorized by ongoing ICOs, uh, upcoming ICOs. Past ICOs, they even have a section called "Scams," where they just label one a scam, pull out. So, um, yeah, I would check that out because I've been looking at that lately. So,
1: thanks, thanks for that tip. I haven't, I didn't find that in my browsing, so I'll put that on my list of browsing material.
0: Cool. Um, so. So to go just a little further of that, the whole I ask my friends. Um, I'm I'm kind of a firm believer in like the the wisdom of the masses mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, because mm-hmm. really, like you've said twice in this inter- twice in this uh, talk, since is like it's all what we agree upon, right? Like, it's what we agree upon has the value. What we agree upon gets used, and so I I just kind of really tap into the social networks of all these projects. Um, you know, reading on different forums. I'm in the Slack channels of a couple of these projects. That's one yeah, thing. Is like, <laughs> if I find out a project, like I'm really interested in too, I'll just join their Slack and just kind of hang out and see like, okay, what is the community that's causing this project to thrive? You know, what, what, what are they after? What is the deep why of this token? And yeah, that's, The old Dimitri vetting process. (laughs) Oh, good. So, um, trying to see if I have any more questions for you.
1: Well, this has been just so, such fun to talk with you because, um, my poor husband is like talked out about this. (laughs) 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 uh, My sister, my sister is, uh, still interested, of course, but yeah, it's good. It's good to chat and, um, I appreciate you having me on as your guest.
0: No problem. The, any more questions for me?
1: Um, Not at the moment, but I will definitely keep listening and thinking about that and send, send some your way.
0: Awesome. Feel free to join our Slack um, if you get the time and the chance. Uh, we try to talk about crypto a lot. Uh, we oh, get good. off topic use sometimes.
1: Okay, use your
0: Slack dot uh, Bitcoinpodcast. Bitcoinpodcast.slack.com. I believe that's it.
1: Oh well, you got a really good address there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got in early on that address on Slack. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, there's a funny story behind that, but we just went over that at our at our other show, so I don't want to tell again. But
1: okay. Um,
0: <laughs> can you do me one favor though? Yeah, sure. Can you say play the outro?
1: Play the outro. Thank you.